What is going on, all you guys and gals? You are listening to Cheap Talk Wrestling. I am the cheapest man in the room, TJ Alvin, alongside with the bandana-wearing Brandon Carr and the cheesehead-wearing Dylan Saraba. Gentlemen, what another week in wrestling. A lot of stuff's been going on, guys. I'll shoot over to you what's been going on, guys. Yeah, you know, like you said, another week of wrestling, and we're a week away from the Royal Rumble now. We're you know, starting to get the final buildup towards that, and I'm just excited for that pay-per-view, of course. One of my favorite pay-per-views of the year, and, you know, we're almost there. We're almost getting to, like, that start of the road to WrestleMania season. So it's this is, you know, kind of like the pinnacle of the wrestling season, I feel like, you know, just building up to WrestleMania and whatnot. Yeah, I think, you know, 2021 is starting off strong across a lot of different promotions. Obviously, the main roster building up their thing for the Royal Rumble. NXT's matches has been really good. AEW's been building. I really don't see, like, a lot of bad uh, companies right now. It seems like they're all working really, really well um, as we get closer to the Rumble. And I am slowly losing my mind watching every single Royal Rumble. Uh, <laughs> If you guys didn't listen last week, Dylan is watching every single Royal Rumble. Dylan, I know you told us off the air, but what Rumble are you on again? Uh, I left off, I believe, at 2006. So we're going to watch right. Ray. I might watch that whole pay-per-view. Um, <laughs> like I had said to you guys off air, like some of the ones in the 90s, man, like I don't want to watch King Kong Bundy versus Quang. <laughs> I mean, you you're know. getting a good card with the Royal Rumble 2006. You got John versus Edge. You got, yep. what was it, Kurt Angle versus Mark Henry. Yep. And the return of The Undertaker at that time to build Kurt Angle versus Undertaker. Yeah. No, it was, no. A, it, it was a good card. card. Um, yeah. I just, for the most part, I'll probably watch the full pay-per-views from now on. Uh, might skip around a little bit in the 2010s and just watch the Rumble just mm-hmm. because, like, I remember those vividly. I'd rather just watch the Rumble. Uh, you know, spot for spot, move for move. Yeah, but unfortunately, <laughs> back then I didn't have the network, so I had to pay a whole sixty dollars. Oh man, I to watch that network helps you. That network melted in the head by Randy Orton. <laughs> Every month, you know what? Like for those who listen and got the network, you know, back then. You had to pay 60 bucks. I, I feel weird saying that. It's like back like 10 years ago, 15 years yeah. ago, you had to pay 60 bucks for a pay-per-view. I, I mean, you could still if you don't want to buy yeah. the network. But, mm-hmm. I mean, everything's on the network. But, you know what? Talking about networks, guys, i just seen this before. I can't believe this. It might be true. But WWE is potentially going to be affected in 2021 at the end of the year by USA's new scheduling because NBC mm-hmm. is shutting down their sports network. So now we have the NHL, the EPL, NASCAR, whatever the hell they host on NBC networks now could be affecting USA Network and on top of that, every other network that they affiliate with. Raw Raw and NXT could be affected massively in the next coming years. Guys, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's something, you know, you really, we have to really monitor. Um, Obviously, SmackDown, they're chilling, they're on Fox, they have their own thing going on there, but you know, if Raw is affected and NXT is affected, you know, you're going to have to kind of work your way through this new schedule that potentially could be coming on the horizon. So, you know, maybe that's WWE saying they can go to a different network to, you know, kind of fit that time slot that they're usually, you know, accustomed to. But that's something, you know, that they have to really think about with these changes because those are a lot of, you know, 
like the NHL, like NASCAR, like all those things you mentioned, like a lot of people watch that. And, you know, obviously, you know, WWE, they want to make sure that, you know, the viewership is high. You just have to think about, you know, if they have to end up moving to a different network, maybe they, you know, find a way to go on Fox with SmackDown or if there's a different network that, you know, potentially can open up for them. But you definitely have to think about that because that's going to be a little dicey if they have to try to work through that situation. Man, that third hour of Raw is really going to have nobody watching. Um, <laughs> it's so true, though. It's so like, true. It's, it's, it's bad now. Hour. Can you imagine if there's, like, actual programming on competing against them? Like, geez. You're going to have to put main events to open the show. Like, geez. At that point, yeah. At the, like, seriously. Yeah. But, I mean, the, this week for Raw wasn't terrible. No, Raw this week wasn't that bad. You know, we have the build. The main thing of this one and uh, I know, Dylan, you're happy about this. The Fiend and Alexa Bliss characters are coming more into uh, – bear with me. I'm yeah, like, their, their build here is really, really working out well. Um, for, for anyone who has listened or hasn't listened in the past, I'm a really big fan of the Fiend character. I think it's one of the newest and coolest things uh, WWE's done in a really, really long time. And that's why, I don't know. I'd like to see him and Bliss win the men and women's rumbles, respectively. Yeah. And we saw on Raw just, you know, seeing that other side of Alexa Bliss, you know, kind of having her, you know, fiend side as opposed to her, like, you know, Bray Wyatt side that we've you've seen before. And it was really cool to, like, just to see her kind of, like, with, you know, obviously WWE have not having fans, they were able to kind of like transform her look like mid-match, yeah. made it kind of look cool and stuff. Like, I thought that was just like really well done. Yeah, it was and, really cool. Yeah, and then she pinned the Raw Women's Champion in Asuka, and, you know, maybe that builds up to a potential title match in the future. And then you kind of saw at the end, like, you know, she had that like fiend like laugh, you know, they like edited it over her so i thought it was just really cool honestly that's you know wwe is definitely taking advantage of having no fans with this fiend character and alexa bliss and it's just putting out a really good product right now car you stole the words right out of my mouth with the product being you know pre-taped or being in their own arena they have the option to okay edit that stuff out or add that stuff in you know that's the beauty of it and on top of that with this like you know pinning an oscar situation honestly i could see her pulling herself out of the rumble to go up against oscar or oscar will challenge alexa to a match i feel like that could be the scenario i hope she still is in the rumble but i don't want to i i would love to see that match versus oscar at the rumble but i don't want to see that match at the rumble versus oscar I would I mean? yeah i would rather her like be in the royal rumble because i think like if she you know stays in it i feel like she has a really strong chance to win the whole thing i feel like they could definitely go that direction it's kind of like those damn if you do, damn if you don't kind of situations where you want to see it, but you don't. With uh, with WrestleMania season coming in, WWE has released their next three years of uh, Mania events or Mania um, arenas. This year, obviously, it's going back to Raymond J. Stadium. Let's put it like this. It's in Tampa Bay. That's all that matters. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. That's all that matters out there. It's all, it's all the way down there. Then after, they're going right to Dallas. And then 39 which was supposed to be this year is going to Hollywood guys. Yep. Do you feel like this is WWE's way of saying there is going to be a future for, for fans to come in? I know they're already predicting that they're going to have 25,000 for this mania, but do you feel like it might not happen? 
I think, uh, I mean, with like, you know, talk about like football real quick and like other sports, I know for the Super Bowl, they're having, um, I think it's about 25,000 fans. I think, yeah, like 25, 30,000 fans. And I think most of them are like healthcare workers. So they can, you know, do like the same thing with WWE and have some of these like healthcare workers like be in there or whoever's gotten the vaccine. I think with them announcing this, I think it's definitely shaping towards obviously fans, you know, being in attendance. Like you said, TJ, they definitely want to get that situated now. They want fans at WrestleMania. But I think with these, you know, with the Dallas uh, stadium, obviously AT&T stadium is a really like large arena. And then you have SoFi stadium with the Rams and the chargers. That's another stadium that's, you know, holds a lot of capacity, a brand new stadium. So I think WWE is definitely trying to like plan towards having fans in the future. And I think this was kind of like a good way to kind of announce that I did like the little skit they did too with, uh, it was Triple H and Stephanie and kind of like the uh, news broadcast and they had John Cena there and Sasha Banks. And it was actually like a pretty cool, like, you know, way to do that. But yeah, I I'm think surprised they got John to do that. I'm really yeah, surprised, surprised. They got John to do that. Well, it made sense for him because he did the Hollywood one. So it, it kind of the power. Yeah, it makes it. sense. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it was a good build. You know, this is a company that really does rely on like the fan base being there to like get you emotionally invested in those storylines. So I'm sure they want to do whatever they can to get the fans back as quickly as possible. Like it, it, it just makes those WrestleMania moments like so much more meaningful when there's like a big like pop for like, you know, a title change or like a return or something like that. Like think about like an iconic moment like. Cena returning at the the Royal Rumble in 2008 like when the doors open there at MSG like the noise from the crowd and like everything just like makes the moment so much better I was gonna say fans just make you know it's it's what makes wrestling the way it is I feel like the reaction is just everything in terms of building characters creating moments like the fans really are I mean it sounds cliche but like they're really like what you know makes wrestling the way it It makes or breaks yeah, it really does. Without dealing with this like pumped in audience, right? You're not really building off anything. And there's you've seen a lot of wrestlers come out and say that they don't like that. They want the live audience reaction because if you're doing this pumped up thing, this like pumped audio, what are you really building off of? Or what what real what sense of reality for your character or for your your for your own dignity? Are you yeah. doing this for it? You know what I mean? I get it. You're you're doing it like you have guys on social media tweeting about it, commenting about it, everything like that. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I can say for myself that makes a difference is that fan reaction live. For me, like an example for me, when I wrestled last month um, in the SPW arena, the training center, I'll be honest, I never thought I would wrestle during a pandemic, one, and I never thought I would just wrestle in front of a camera with no audience. Cause you know what? It's just, it's everybody's dream to have like that fan reaction or to be like, to see that little kid in the crowd, like that's excited for you. Has their, that has their sign, has a t-shirt of yours and be like, yeah. they're excited to see you. They came to see you like a Drew McIntyre moment for 36, how he wanted that fan reaction. He grabbed for that fan reaction. You know, yeah. I'm glad that they have hope for that. I'm glad to see that they have hope for that in the next years to come. And I'm hoping that we do see it at WrestleMania this year. Not to switch gears, but I want to ask you guys this because this is is kind of a funny question. Do you feel like the Super Bowl is the test dummy here for the 25,000 fans? Because it is at the same stadium, one. And two, they might have the same capacity. So 
to kind of like figure out, okay, seating arrangement, everything like that wise, do you feel like this is a good test for them to use building towards their own event in that same arena two months down the road? I think, yeah, I think they've kind of been doing that already. I think they kind of saw what the, you know, the NBA was doing with their own little bubble. That's why they created the Thunderdome so they can have, you know, these cool like pyro, uh, cool pyro moments and stuff and having the fans kind of there and them being on like the screens and whatnot. So they kind of like took that idea from them. And I think kind of very similar to what you said with the Super Bowl, I think, especially at being in the same stadium in Raymond James stadium, that's, you know, the parallels are definitely there. And I think they're going to be keeping a close eye on it and just to see how the NFL handles it, how the seating arrangements are going to work. And they're kind of seeing now how the NFL, like I mentioned earlier, are getting these healthcare providers and people who have the vaccine are going to be the ones kind of already kind of being the ones that are going to be already there and the ones that get to see the Super Bowl live. So I think the same thing's probably going to go with WrestleMania. I think, WWE has kind of been doing that. They've been kind of taking pages out of these other sports leagues books and they've kind of just been following that just because it's what's been working as of late. So I think they're going to do the same thing. Yeah, I feel like the WWE will definitely like watch the Super Bowl pretty closely to see what they'll be able to do and how they need to spread their fans out. But if if they can get the same amount that 25,000 like that's a lot of fans and like that's that'll definitely people, yeah. That'll make the the moments feel like a lot bigger hearing all that crowd noise, you know? Well, I mean, for one, we've seen it with AEW. Like, AEW has used their fan base because they have the option of that outdoor arena at Daily Place. You know, switching over to AEW because they have that option because they have that stadium already built into their facility. And because the freaking owner of the Jaguars is also the president of AEW. So it's kind of like, you know, he's lucky to have that option like versus like WWE now the rumor is not to switch off for a second but the rumor is and I've seen this left and right I don't know if this is true or not but WWE might actually take a pause after mania I don't know how true that is but I've seen it on a couple different like dirt sheets all different posts what are your thoughts before we get into AEW what are your thoughts if they were to say after mania we take a month pause I mean, I think that's definitely the perfect time for them to do that just because WrestleMania is kind of like that, just like a culmination of, you know, all the storylines that they have been building towards. And, you know, after WrestleMania, it's usually a fresh start. They, that's definitely the best time for them to do that. But I don't know. I don't know why they would. I mean, considering like what the other sports leagues have kind of been able to accomplish, they haven't, you know, really shut down. Obviously the NBA was like the first sports league to shut down, but that was last year when the pandemic really started. But I think, I don't think they would do that. I think that's just a lot of money. They're probably as well putting on the line too, because I mean, you're not going to have a product for a month and then, you know, you're not going to have the viewership. Obviously that's going to take a, a hit towards, you know, your, 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 uh, venue and, and your, uh, money and stuff, but it's, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I just don't see that happening. I just, I, I, I wouldn't see that happening at all. Yeah. I mean, anything's possible. Like obviously like the company's going to do what they think is right and, and everything like that. I think it, if they do do it, like you said, like probably right after mania would be the smartest choice because that's a culmination of a lot of storylines. So, like, they're not really starting any long-term booking at that point. Everything's sort of been wrapped up. 
And it might it might give their guys some needed time off. I'm sure the roster is really tired because they've been going at it throughout this whole pandemic. Um, yeah, because that's I- the thing is that like when you when you think about it, right? The, like not to say that like I agree, like there there are some stories that are ending, but after many you also see those stories that are rising because of those additions. You know, like you start to see like okay, take a couple years ago with uh, Roman Reigns. Right. Roman Reigns uh, with The Undertaker. Right. Yeah. That story didn't build off. But the aftermath for Roman to build his character more was the day after Mania. So let's say, for example, that day after Mania, that doesn't happen. Do you still get that heat? Can you still can you revive that heat that you want or you need from the fan base a month a month later? See, that's that's where I'm. Yeah, that's true. It's risky. Because you can make big know. moves. Like there's yeah. a lot of big moves that are coming into play here after Mania. Because you can have your heat. You can lose a lot of heat from a lot of different guys. You can lose a lot of like attention for a lot of different guys. Then you can lose a lot of the anticipation for a lot of different people. Like take let's say let's let's put it like this: thirty WrestleMania thirty three, right? You have the Hardys returning, right? Who were the biggest things at the time in the Indies? And then the next day they say, "Oh yeah, you know what? We're gonna take a month off." You're losing that heat. You're losing that pop. You're losing that reaction. The next day reaction is that big thing that's going to carry you, I feel, for the next couple months. Because that yeah, tells gonna, you yeah. who's going to build, who you can build. Yeah, you're, you're losing that spark, like, essentially is what you're saying. And I completely agree because it just, you know, you lose that reaction if you t- if you take that break, obviously. And it's just, it would be kind of weird for them to do it. I just feel like it wouldn't be a smart move just for them financially, you know, not having the viewership there. And then just you know booking wise they would probably have to change wrestlemania the way they book it if they do something like that to where you know the stories there's not something that they can build off of they would have to you know figure out a way to just book it to where that story just ends right at wrestlemania and they can't build it off in any other way because like you said tj it just you take that break it you lose that spark and it's just it just is not a good situation yeah, no, I agree there. I, it it's a weird decision. I mean, we'll definitely just have to see what they do. Just gotta let it play out, you know. Just gotta let it play out. But now heading back over to Jacksonville for AEW, we have Sting coming back into the ring. The guy's been back on TV for two months, and he's already cleared to get into a street fight with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. My I don't I feel like they're rushing that booking for like Sting to come back, but I get you need that reason to give him like to give him that reason to come back on. Right? And in this case, it's okay, you're he's attacking your protege and I feel like that's what we're seeing here with Darby Allen and Sting. We're seeing that mentor protege type figure and like we've been seeing with Taz, Brian Cage and all the guys like uh, even Hobbs on the team, right? We're seeing that mentor protege type deal, which we've been seeing a lot of lately with AEW. I think that's just really what they're building off of is these mentors. Like guys, what do you think of Sting coming back? I know we've talked about it before, but I want to kind of rehash that. What are you guys' thoughts now that he's booked for revolution? Yeah, I think what you said, TJ, I mean, obviously we talked about it before and I don't think any of us were a fan of him coming back into the ring, but I didn't, I think in a way kind of saw it coming just the way they've kind of been booking this with team Taz, it kind of seemed like that Sting would have your, his protégés back and he would get into a match to fight team Taz. I feel like they were kind of, you know, booking towards that. I'm not the biggest fan of it because you know, obviously Sting, he's up there in age and 
you know, I feel like his time in wrestling, I feel like is in terms of being in the ring, I feel like it's kind of dwindling down, but story storyline wise, it does make sense just because of what they've been doing as of late. I think, you know, put him standing in a match with Darby Allen to face team Taz. It just made too much sense, but you know, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest fan of it just because as we talked about in earlier episodes with Sting's just, you know, him being up there in age and, you know, his in-ring career kind of just dwindling down, but, you know, we'll end up seeing, we'll have to end up seeing what happens there. Um, I think definitely though, with the storyline, it does seem kind of like that. It seems like it's, you know, it, the Sting's kind of like mentor and Darby Allen kind of molding him to be kind of like that next Sting. It's kind of what I'm seeing with that storyline, kind of getting that vibe off of that. Yeah, I'm not 100% sold on him coming back as like an in-ring competitor. Not that he was ever a bad in-ring kind of talent or anything like that, but after the injury in the Rollins match and everything like that, I don't know, I think there's some nerves there, but if the medical team down there in Jacksonville is clearing him, I guess they feel as though he's healthy enough to wrestle. Um, I just hope, you know, he's safe in the ring, and I still hope, like, he can put on a good match. I, I think that's the thing. I don't want to see his quality of a match suffer just to for AEW to make some quick cash, you know? See, like, do you guys feel that this is going to be that cinematic? Sting, when he signed, was offered that cinematic st- uh, style of match or wanted that cinematic style. Do you guys feel like that's what we're going to see versus an actual match? I know with no fan, like, I mean, the limited fans that we have in the arena, do you guys feel like that's what we could be seeing, just that cinematic style match? But we're looking at at it as, okay, WWE's style, like, okay, street fight is, okay, it's always in the ring. Do you feel like AEW is going to try to take it actually to the street to make this, like, a pre-filmed, like, safe environment for Sting and maybe take him out early of the match and then bring him back in later? I could see something like that. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea for them to go in that direction. I think it makes sense, but, you know, it being a street fight, I feel like if it kind of had like a weird name to the match or something, I could see it. But I think it would be like a, a really solid, you know, idea just to kind of like bring that cinematic stuff in there because we talked about Sting kind of wanting to like do something like that. So it would be kind of like a good idea, you know, with, you know, the guys involved, they can kind of pull something out like that. I kind of like that idea too. If, you know, say like Sting gets like knocked out or something and he comes back later in the match just to preserve his health it's it's not a bad idea um i would i would personally like to see something like that if they can pull off a cinematic match just to see how it would look obviously they've kind of done some similar stuff before as well but yeah i you know i think that would be kind of like a good idea just to preserve sting's health get him a chance you know to have some moments in this match and you know just to be smart with it and you know hopefully put out a good product with this match yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, you saw the success of the Boneyard match, and I think those cinematic matches are starting to have like a bigger role here uh, in professional wrestling. And I, I think it's a cool concept because it, it can add something to a rivalry that like you wouldn't just get in a straight up like regular match in the ring. That's a beauty of that pre-tape stuff. Like what we talked about with Alexa Bliss, you can add stuff in, right? You have your match that you could say is live or live as it is. And then you have this pre-taped item that you can add later on, like going into these cinematics, like we had with the Boneyard match, we had with like um, the Wyatt family, like whatever the hell you want to call that with Braun Strowman this summer, 
this past yeah. summer, right? We had like even the Money in the Bank ladder match was cinematic. Yeah, it's great to see on them, like WWE side, taking advantage of making movies out of these matches. Now, AEW's success, on the other hand, of making these matches, uh, I'll tell you right now, I feel like they're like one for two. Like, you know, yeah. with like with the Britt Baker match that they did at All Out at their dentist, at the dentist office. Look, I feel like that was their first attempt on it. <laughs> yeah. Why? Was... I, didn't, I didn't like it myself. Yeah, I didn't either. But the the one that they did, the Hardy Compound, I feel like was a lot better. But it was also still live in some ways. It's like they still had that cinematic feel, but it was live. It looked, I think it was like maybe like an hour off, maybe give or take, yeah. on like the the live necessity of it. I like the uh, Stadium Stampede match they did too. That was pretty. That good. was perfect. Yeah. Now that, that really that's a different style. That was a different look of that match. Yeah. Like you have different parts moving in a football arena. Mm-hmm. And with like with the owner, Tony Khan of the Jags or president of whatever the hell his title is over there. I could really care. Yeah. All I know is he's got a higher title than what I have. Yep. That's all that matters. I mean, <laughs> as the cheapest man in the room, he's got the higher power. Yeah, he's got case. that name. <laughs> he's got the name. But using his own facility to his advantage is beautiful. You know, having that so he can do whatever the hell he wants. As long as you're, as long as you don't actually damage your football field or, <laughs> I don't know, injure your mascot. Oh, it's affected Jackson Deville. Thanks for coming, pal. With like yeah. a, a Jericho a Judas effect. I mean, <laughs> what what are you gonna do there? <laughs> but yeah, right. Let's let's keep on this. You know what? I like this. Let's keep on this and uh, this Wednesday Night War stuff. You know what? Let's switch over to NXT. Right? We finally. Finally, finally, finally got to see fight like the the fight whatever the whatever they're calling it. I call I call it the lion's den still with like Ken Shamrock the fight pit. Thank you for correcting me. I know I was excited about it, gotcha. and for some reason I forgot about the name for a second. No, it's like that thing that slips my mind. That's yeah. what that is. But that I yeah, swear that's what that is. That's that's what that is. <laughs> that's what that but is. going into that anticipated match, guys, what were your what were your thoughts on that fight? Yeah, I thought, you know, it, it lived up to the hype. It was a really solid match between the two competitors, you know, uh, Timothy Thatcher, Tommaso Ciampa, two really good in-ring competitors. And we kind of, you know, knew coming in, it was going to be a very physical match, you know, two really good in-ring technicians. And we saw that. I thought, you know, the match overall was pretty good. We saw a submission win from Thatcher in this one, which um, we've been talking about lately is you know we don't really see too many submission wins and we ended up seeing one in this one but yeah he you know the match itself I thought you know going into it I knew like I said it was going to be you know a physical match two really good in-ring competitors two technicians and you know it was it was a good match overall I thought it was really solid in my opinion Timothy Thatcher ended up getting the win and yeah it was you know, and it was a nice way to end it off too, because they kind of stared at each other and you looked at, it and it seemed like they, they were giving each other a little bit of respect too at the end. So I thought, you know, overall it was a really solid match and I think a really good ending as well. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the whole concept of it was like really cool that they're bringing it back. And I really thought with the way this rivalry has been building, like it was definitely going to be a stiff match, physical contest. And I think it's a good win for Thatcher. I think it continues to build him as a wrestler, as a as a character on NXT. I mean, it's it. I don't love seeing Champa lose because I feel like he's his like former status is like the guy carrying the gold brand. 
has been lost a little bit with like recent losses, but um, you never know. WWE probably will kick the corner on his booking at some point. I, the dude's a great talent. They both are. And I think another cool thing that came out of it was now they're teaming together in the Dusty Rhodes Classic, which is like vintage WWE thing of these two hate each other, but they're going to work hard and destroy people as a tag team. Yep. I mean, look, it, it worked with uh, what's his Seamus and Cesaro. I mean, they became the bar. I think the same thing with again with Tyson Kidd and Cesaro. It was that type of like rivalry. But with Thatcher and Champa, I feel like that's a great unit, and you can build off of that into your story more. That's the beauty. Like that's the beauty of this booking is that originally I don't even know it was like a no name team. I don't even know who the hell they were supposed to, like originally it was supposed to be in that spot. But I feel like they just put that spot in there for him to build that off of that story more and to build more of a story between the two to build that rivalry. Cause I know they need to build that rivalry, especially for like, not to say that WrestleMania match, but for that NXT before mania match, you know, cause they they are booking for that eventually down the road. That's the beauty of like the stories that we get to see. Definitely. I'm going to tell you right now, guys, I'm going to be honest. I am flip-flopping, going left and right with these productions or these pr- promotions. Let's switch on over back to AEW. I want to add something okay. with Hangman Page and the Dark Order. I watched this. I thought it was funny. They they had a great match. They had a great match with the Dark, uh, Dark Order and Hangman going up against Chaos Project in uh, TH2 with Page getting the win for the team and then you got john silver getting down on one knee saying will you join the dark order says no and then you got the confetti you got the the, he said yes i'll tell you that is a classic type of booking which i like but it's also being used in like this type of way like saying no because sometimes you would say you would see that guy saying yes like having that like you know that like what the hell look but also like just saying yes but in this case no I, i like that i don't know about you guys what were your thoughts Oh, yeah, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> they were, like, prepared for him to, you know, say, yes, I'm going to join the Dark Order, and he says no, and, you know, their whole setup that they had for him just kind of went to shambles. I thought that was really funny. It was great booking, but, yeah, I think um, it's also pretty cool that they're kind of building uh, Vertigly's son as well as, like, kind of like a character in AEW as well. It was his birthday in this one. They were building that up, and, you know, you kind of saw him get involved and whatnot, so... I think it's also like very cool that they're using him too. Um, and yeah, I thought like this, just the whole segment and, you know, the spots in this, in this match and whatnot, I thought was, you know, really well done by AEW. I thought it was really good book. And I thought it was really funny that they did something like that. Yeah. I, I actually really like uh hangman page. I feel like he's, he's almost an underrated talent. It, yeah. As weird as that seems like he's in like yeah. main event sort of pictures and and stuff like that but he's just i don't know he's a very like diverse character and i i like i like him a lot um i think he's good for AEW, and i think that's something to keep the dark order fresh now with the passing of Brody lee and everything like that aw's putting out a good product man i you know you can't be upset with them but you yeah. you know also we saw mox return and get yep. a, pretty much a squash yeah, he's calling everybody out, though, dude. He's calling everybody out. I love it. I I love it. I love John Moxley way more than I did the Dean Ambrose character. It's more free. He has a free. 
and, and that's the thing i like yeah. seeing him have his creative freedom yeah. Because like I've seen in like shoots and stuff he's done, and not like bad mouthing WWE, but like he has said like he hated every promo he did for Vince. Yeah, like, like well, that's the thing is that like when you look at WWE, how everything's scripted. You gotta, you know, you get handed a piece of paper that's saying, "Here's what you're gonna say," but then you you learn in wrestling to cut your own promos, use what you can to your advantage in your promos. I don't even think they are handed. A script in AEW, only a match card format and what's going to happen during that, or a um, yeah. a show script, right? That's all you see. I don't feel like there is one ounce of okay. Here's what I want you to say. Here's the reason you're going to say it, and here's how I want you to present it. That's just me. But with W, I get with WWE, they they have this. I, I'll put a formula to what they do, oh, right? Yeah. But with AEW, with using that independent style. But also using a, like using that national market to their advantage, being on live TV, being like streamed everywhere, being on YouTube, or having these guys that are all over the place, is beautiful. Versus with WWE being locked in. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, we've been talking about it, just how AEW has been working with other promotions, and they kind of have more creative freedom. And you know, with Mox, like one of the reasons why he left WWE is because they, he just didn't like how they were booking him. He wasn't, you know, able to really have that creative freedom. And, you know, with AEW, they're really giving these guys the opportunity to just kind of create their own characters and, you know, come up with the different ideas, the ways to build the characters. And I think, you know, that's like, a, that's just the beauty of it. I think just having that creative freedom only just, you know, enhances the products in a way, you know, and I think, yeah, I think AEW is just doing a lot of great things right now. Just, you know, with everything they've, they've been doing with that, working with these different promotions, the product that they're putting out, I think they're just doing a really good job in this uh, COVID situation that the uh, wrestling has been in. Yeah, I honestly think both uh, both parts of the Wednesday Night Wars have been doing really, really well. Um, I know right now, like, obviously, AEW has been winning in the um, ratings and everything like that. But you can't undersell NXT. It's still really a quality product from top to bottom. I love, like, every time there's, like, someone new in NXT that, like, I recognize from an outside promotion, it's been cool. Uh, like, obviously, like, Karrion Cross is cool. Like, watching him come from Impact and still undefeated so far in NXT. Like, the dude's a tank. And obviously, like, seeing Balor back down in NXT is also really cool. Because, like, Balor's probably one of, like, the top five guys in the company right now. Yeah. He is, and he. I feel like he was mark, marketed that way. Look at it this way. Back in 2016, if it wasn't for that injury that we yeah. saw that he suffered at SummerSlam, you would see him as a top guy building a big story going yeah. towards WrestleMania, that, like that WrestleMania yeah, 33 bro. that year. And then what do we deal with then? We deal with another Goldberg moment. And we, we move on from there. It's the circle of life. You give Brock Lesnar the title back or you give Brock Lesnar the strap because it's his turn with the toy. And now, like, Balor get, has to – not that NXT is, like, a bad brand. Like, it's it, it's know. its own independent brand. But, like, now he's back down there, like, doing his own thing, which is, A, fine. It looks like he has more freedom down there and yeah. putting out good he product. He, oh, yeah. I've, I agree. Yeah, I've heard him say, like, he – enjoys it more down there i think than he did in the main roster like i completely you know understand well he he was making he was making six figures in developmental yeah um just off of his 
off of his merch when there was like a live crowd. I remember watching that in, um, <laughs> oddly enough, a Simon Gotch shoot interview. Uh, he's like a him and Finn, like no bad blood there. Still got the blue brand. That's my hope over Raw every week is that SmackDown will put out a better product. See, this yeah. is just me with like going over the Raw SmackDowns and then you have like NXT, right? This is just me on this situation. It's like it's you don't have just Raw and SmackDown. NXT is a top brand and I feel like WWE should be focusing on that, right? You have top guys going wanting to be there, saying like if they're not being used, push me there, put me there and I will do something and then you'll want me back. Like take a look at like I well, we go back to Finn, right? Finn was doing nothing. Next thing you know, Finn gets the opportunity in NXT. He's not there that long. Next thing you know, wins the title, right? Yeah. He's building great stories with like guys like Matt Riddle, guys like Johnny Gargano, guys like Tommaso. Same thing with Adam Cole. Even with now Kyle O'Reilly and yep. Pete Dunne. Yep. We're seeing great stories being built off of this guy who was on the main roster who was never being used once. When you're a monopoly like the WWE and you have so many guys that you can use – and you just say to them, I don't know what to do with you. That's just bad booking because you have great guys that are sitting there waiting to go. You had guys like Zack Ryder. You had guys like Brody Lee. You had guys like um, Brian Myers. Like yeah. I'm The only reason I'm using the independent names is because they're making it big on the independents when they were with the WWE. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, you look at, like, some of the guys, like, they underutilized. They're now, like, big, like, Lance Archer, Luchasaurus. Like, these were guys that were in WWE developmental, and they were just like, eh. And it's like, but look what you do when you give them, like, the creative opportunity for themselves. Yeah. I I think the Lance Archer character is one of the coolest things right now in AEW. Like, you have a seven-foot monster that's athletic. Like, Yeah, how can you not push that? Like I, especially in Vince, like Vince is like, oh, big man, very strong, <laughs> title, title, yeah, title. I, I mean, they tried doing with one guy. He was about seven feet tall, but you couldn't teach that. You know, bada boom. <laughs> he was one of the realest guys in the room at one point. I mean, guys, how you doing on that? All right. Yeah, the realest guy in the room. <laughs> that was good. Fake Jordans, <laughs> fake chain, fake hair. Everything. Acts like he's Italian, but he's actually German. I I guess the only <laughs> real thing about him is being a guy. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, no, but yeah, like WWE just has these guys just sitting there, and you know, yeah. you just see it happen. They these guys leave the company and they force some up elsewhere. Just you see it all the time with them. You look like a guy like uh, what we brought before Will Hobbs, right? Or yeah. now they're calling him powerhouse Hobbs, right? I was reading something about him and it was saying that when he made his debut on AEW, literally a call like a week later came from the WWE. Hey, uh, this is so-and-so uh, with WWE. We want to know if you want to, we want, we, we see what you did on AEW. We want you to come on down. Uh, let, let's work something out. Like after your AEW appearance, and that's the, that's the thing is that when you have the opportunity, you see these like the, like talent developments that they have. It's basically going on right now as we speak. There's all there's always something going on. And you're always seeing classes going into the product uh, to the performance center, right? Like we have a new class now. I don't know who's on it, but you know that there's classes going in to the performance center. You had a guy, for example, like Will Hobbs, who is a powerhouse and you can definitely build something off of him in the future. He's being bred by Taz and he's being, he's also 
having the opportunity to learn with great minds like Sting, like Cody, like um, like Arn Anderson, guys like that, even Jake the Snake. You're learning off these guys who are backstage and you can have the opportunity to talk with these guys and take your opportunities while you can. There have been other other similar similarities to that topic of getting that call after that AEW debut. Mm-hmm. It's just that you had them, you could have had them, but you said you didn't want them because they weren't that image. They weren't that seven foot tall guy or that six, eight, uh, 24 inch Python brother, brother. <laughs> and uh, eat, uh, t- uh, say, take your vitamins, say your prayers, drink your milks. No, yep. you're not going to see that. that well, you can't and and that's that. always the thing with, and not to like constantly shit on Vince. Like the guy is like revolutionized modern wrestling, but like, he's always been like the bigger guys get the push. Like, and I just think that's like, sometimes especially in like today's modern age like the the smaller guy like all right he weighs 215 and he's 510 like the guy is putting on melt melters like uh, out of lotion by the time like a guy like ricochets out of the ring like the dude like puts on matches aj puts on matches like exactly all these guys like you had a guy like uh, he he's going by Pack or Neville. The guy is. They were wasting him on two hundred five live. Like the guy is so like out of his like boots, talented, athletic as the day is long. And it's like not that the guys in two hundred five live are bad. Like I'm not you know destroying the cruiserweights, but it's like Neville's a guy you could push as a U.S. Intercontinental tag champion. But it's we like, use that cruiserweight though. Like I want to bring up that cru- the word cruiserweight, right? The only reason they have a cruiserweight division is because of what WCW did. They never thought of doing that. They made the light heavyweight division back oh, in the yeah. '90s, right? Haka Minchinoku. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just feeding off of that is that you have guys that you will see down the road that are the size of Daniel Bryan, the size of Darby Allen, and you'll see them last versus like these powerhouses that are former football players that are there for a short time and then they're gone or they can't last five minutes in a ring because they're winded. And then they like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you look at a guy, I know we keep busting him. I know we keep busting all these guys, but it's just, it's the, the, what we see. And it's the truth. Like you take a look at Goldberg, you don't see him going past five minutes his longest match i think in history is against brock lesnar at wrestlemania 20 and i unfortunately looked up that number it was like 10 minutes 57 seconds what a disaster. I, the guy just didn't have a gas tank like he no. he never had even in wcw with his his streak like the dude didn't go past like four or five minute no. matches you know why? Because he can't really wrestle. Yeah. It's just a figure thing. It's that's all it is. They they say, you know what? You have what we want. You have a look. Let's use that. But then you have guys back then like Chris Jericho, who's rocking the buildings, who is changing a lot of things in wrestling. Went from WCW to WWE, even changed the game over there in the WWE. He was the first undisputed champion. Now he's the first guy, the first champion for AEW because he's changing the game again. You have guys like Darby Allen who are not the perfect mold of a wrestler or the perfect, I'll say the perfect um, idol to look at, but he gets over and fans love it. You look at a guy like Jeff Hardy, same thing. Darby Allen is a Jeff Hardy 
in some ways than not. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how I'm looking at that. Well, and that's even the thing, like, it's been stated over and over again, was the whole Daniel Bryan thing. Like, look at, like, the 2015 Royal Rumble. Everyone in the building, everyone watching at home, wanted Daniel Bryan to win. He gets bumped by Bray Wyatt early. And then the next person out is gold dust. And all you see is shattered dreams across the Titan Tron. That is not a work. That is WWE, the company actually trolling its fans. And it's just like, like Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, the American dragon, whatever you want to call him. The the vegan with the best body I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) Like the dude goes out. And puts his heart and body yeah. in that ring, and he's a fantastic worker. They even trolled by putting Rey Mysterio out there at number thirty. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, people were so mad. Even the Rock couldn't save that. No, nope. no, not at all. That was um, at the end, yeah, yeah. At the so, end of the day, I just feel like you know the, the guys that they should be pushing are the ones that get the fan reaction. Like we talked about that earlier with the fans, they're the most important thing. The guys that you want, you know to push are the ones that are getting the reaction. Like that's just, I feel like that's just how it should be. I want to go back to what Dylan said. We're not like with Vince McMahon. We're not bashing him. Right. Like it, it granted he's made millions, billions of dollars in wrestling. And it's never going to not make billions. It's just his way of booking. It's just his way. You know, we look at it, you know, you can stick five or 10 different wrestling fans in a room and they will all have, Many different opinions. They'll have a hundred, hundreds of different opinions from what we have, right? It's it's all about what you want to see or what you what you want to say. Luckily, yeah. we have this platform to use this and say what we want to say about wrestling. You know, that's what I love about this. That's what yeah. I love about talking on here every week with you guys. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and that's me. the thing. Like, I don't hold ill will toward Vince McMahon. It's just like sometimes it's like he's still stuck in like that old school booking which i get that's what got you to the dance and what put you on the map and what put you know people in the seats but it's just like as companies changed wrestlers changed and like you don't always need like and it's not all the time like he has pushed smaller guys you know but you do see it sometimes where like a big guy shows up and he's like yep that's who it is this guy who, who can't throw a punch or take like a, a backdrop to like save his life. And it's like, oh my God, please get this guy off the TV screen. Like, please. Yeah. Dylan, you like stole the words right out of my mouth because I was going to say like, you know, that's Vince McMahon sticking with this old school mentality. You've seen how, you know, wrestling is now. You got to change your, you know, your MO. You have to change and adapt to this new you know, wave of wrestling and, you know, the way that, you know, some of these guys are getting over, like you have to, you know, change your style and just adapt to like this new age. That's just, you know, Vince McMahon hasn't really been able well, to. And, that, well. and that's the thing, like, unfortunately, like, and, and Meltzer's tough. I get that. But like WWE really hasn't ever really gotten a lot of five-star matches, you know, yeah, punk versus Cena one. was one. Yeah, uh, that was a big one. And then Gargano versus Champa. Um, or two of the only ones I can think from recent memory. And, like, I'm not saying you need to go out every week and put on a five-star classic, but, like, you're the biggest promotion in the world and you've really only gotten two in the past ten years. Because they don't care. 
you're the ones that, that are you're the they're ones making that money and i get it hey, man you know why care about five stars when we can make five billion yeah no i i 100 get their their yeah. rationale i get it it's all about the mula all about the money when you look at a guy like kenny omega who's changing the game every time he can right he's making five-star matches as much as possible right he because he has that mentality of okay Let's use a, like a lot of psychology in these matches. Let's make it. Let's give a reason for these people to like buy the buy into this match. Let's give them a reason to support you, not hate me, vice versa. Or let's give them a reason to like grab at your attention and like take them for a ride. That's the beauty of a great storyteller. And but when you have guys in the WWE that are now just doing move for move for move. And you're just doing the move because it looks flashy and it's you're getting your 15 seconds of fame on TV and it's going to become a gif or a meme or whatever the hell you want to call it. Like you look at Ricochet's thing last week with him bouncing off the ropes. Oh no, it was this, whatever week it was with him versus uh, AJ that him bouncing off, off the ropes going into the styles clash. I have seen that gif a hundred times already in the last couple days. It's not even funny how much, it's like I've, I've seen the moment on TV. Now it's like, okay, great. That's yep. what you want to be remembered for. Like AJ Styles, like having his manager. The one thing I'll tell you about the guy or his bodyguard or whatever, the one thing I get off this guy, the, the manager, whoever he is, is that he can't speak for anything. He has the size, nope. but his voice, it's kind of like, um, you guys remember watching, um, what's his face, Grown Ups? Like the guys coming over. Oh, yeah. Like the I know Canadian guys about. coming over. Yeah, hey, what's yeah. going on, ladies? Hey, what's up, ladies? Oh, you're from around these parts, eh? Yeah, I'm from Saskatchewan. What's up in Canada, eh? Yeah. I'm from Saskatchewan. Oh, like when, uh, <laughs> like when Lesnar yeah. speaks sometimes, it's like this guy is like 6'5, like, like almost 300 pounds. And I'm like, that's what Brock Lesnar sounds like? I'm like, and that's why they got yeah, Paul Heyman. Man, that's well, and that's the thing. That's why he's always had a mouthpiece, like like Paul it, Heyman. Like it's yeah. just it's great. Paul's great. You know who needed a mouthpiece, man? Scott Steiner. It's just, you know, let's see. I have a two thirds chance. You have twenty five percent. Carry the seven. Uh, yeah, I have a twenty five percent chance of winning this match, and you're sitting there going. Where'd you go what to? did he say? Hey, Editor, Mr. Editor over there, do me a favor. Can you insert that uh, audio clip? You know, they say all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at Small Joe, and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak, and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best at beating me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So, Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percent, 
I got a 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. For me and not call me a jackass at 5 o'clock in the morning again, thank you very much. <laughs> that dude, man, lay off, lay off the roids in the back, man. Jeez. <laughs> right, dude. He loves his freaks. He loves yeah. his freaks. He loves himself as a freak, man. Big pop yeah, of pump. Let's right. let's bring it into SmackDown. Let's close it on that. Let's close it with SmackDown, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to say is, you no, know I've been talking a lot. Car, why don't you talk about SmackDown for a little bit? I've I've taken up enough time for these people. These people want to listen to other people other than myself. <laughs> me hey, me being the cheapest what? guy in the room. Hey, I appreciate it. You know, giving me a chance to shine. But anytime, yeah, so- just leave the check in the mail. <laughs> I got you. But um yeah, SmackDown, you know, I feel like the biggest thing with, you know, this week's SmackDown was definitely the the ending. They had earlier in the show, the beginning promo in the show, uh Paul Heyman kind of like had some like remarks towards Adam Pierce and it ended up causing, you know, for them to have a match later in the night. So, you know, obviously watching it, you know, pretty interested to see what happens and you get to the match Adam Pierce is already in the rain and Paul Heyman, he's coming towards the rain and he quote unquote accidentally slips on the stairs. And, you know, he kind of pulled like a Uno, uh, Uno reverse card on Adam Pierce. Cause if you remember last week's SmackDown, Adam Pierce was kind of like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm injured. I can't compete. And, you know, there's a clause in this contract that states that if I can't compete, then there's someone else that can replace me. And obviously we saw Kevin Owens sign that contract last week and, Paul Heyman kind of pulled the same card and, and out comes Roman Reigns and he's beating up on Adam Pierce a little bit. Then Kevin Owens comes out in a hoodie because he wasn't allowed in the arena uh, to start the show because of Roman Reigns kind of ordered him, uh, ordered the security to not let him in, in the, in the arena. He sneaks his way in there and they booked Kevin Owens really well. They made Kevin Owens look strong, which is very good. Obviously you don't want it to be one-sided, just Roman Reigns looking strong. So they booked Kevin Owens really strong ended up the show with him doing the pop-up power bomb through the announce table. I thought that was, you know, very well done there. And, you know, it just kind of gives you, you know, maybe that hope that Kevin Owens can somehow pull off that upset at the Royal Rumble just because they made him look strong this week. So I thought that was very well done by uh, WWE there. The way WWE has been booking Roman lately has been really good. It's like, it's a character that we haven't seen out of Roman you know, we've always yeah. seen that good guy Roman. We've always seen that, you know, like uh, like that that John Cena wannabe Roman. Not to quote John on this, you know, but to to go into that effect. But the way that they're using the story of like having Adam Pierce like come on, like saying, "Oh, like I can't compete," like feeding more into the story of okay, you didn't want to compete at first, so we you know what we're gonna have Roman come in now and kick the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah i like how they're getting this guy more involved this adam pierce character like i said he's been in the business for a long time now it's great he has a lot of great stuff i like how he's willing to take the 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 punishment not the punishment but the um the the, the um the beating that i guess is needed for the story to build off of yeah. you know there's always that one thing you need to add and adam pierce is adding that extra value or like you know that extra sauce that extra secret sauce on that story Dylan what what are your thoughts yeah I I really like seeing uh Pierce honestly is like 
the on-screen authority figure. I, I think it, it brings something new to the product we haven't seen in a while. Um, and it's helping to build up Roman Reigns. And I haven't hated what they've been doing with Roman recently. Um, when they really first started pushing Roman like a couple of years back, I wasn't huge on it because uh, I just felt it was too soon and everything like that. But he, he's developed really well into the character he is today. And I think like the whole story with Pierce and him being a Paul Heyman guy now and everything like that, it's cool. It's it yeah. it's a cool product for SmackDown. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like Roman Reigns has, like, improved a lot on the mic, especially it's kind of his promos. I thought the promo that he cut earlier in, early in the night as we're recording this from SmackDown, I thought it was, like, really good because, you know, he was kind of, you know, very intense, you know, being like that heel character, you know, saying certain things like, this is my show, you know, I'm going to run things here. Like, I thought, like, Roman Reigns has just, you know, improved really exponentially on the mic just from – you know, obviously with the shield, he wasn't really that mouthpiece when the, he first came in. He was still kind of developing his, you know, promo skills. And I feel like now he's, you know, really improved in that department. I feel like I think I feel like that, you know, with with him, with Paul Heyman, I kind of thought Paul Heyman was going to be more of a mouthpiece, but they're letting Roman, you know, kind of be to kind of let him cut more promos. And I feel like he's done like a really good job, you know, with cutting his promos. I feel like he's just really improved there. With Paul Heyman as the add-on to Roman Reigns' character, I feel like that's a, just a great duo to see Definitely. with him, right? And you can also you can also agree you're learning off of a great mind in wrestling in Paul Heyman. Roman can now he's basically at his he can have him at his disposal, like not to say on camera but off camera to kind of learn and build himself up more because he has built a lot of great characters. Take for example Brock Lesnar. Right. He's built the guy to being the next big thing, to being a I'll say like a first ballot Hall of Famer when he does retire. Do you guys feel like Roman is taking like anything that like um, that Paul Heyman is saying? Like, do you feel like he asks questions? Do you feel like he picks the brain of Paul as much as he can? while he can i think it's you know very smart for him to do that because like you said paul Heyman is one of the brighter minds in wrestling he's phenomenal on the mic and you know maybe he's the reason why roman reigns is kind of you know really starting to improve you know like i just said with kind of promos i feel like he's asking him you know like how can i improve and how can i you know get more of a reaction from the fans and whatnot but obviously the times now he really can't get that authentic reaction but i feel like roman's definitely asking at least he should be asking a lot of questions with him being this close to Paul. Obviously he's definitely worked with Paul before when he versus Brock Lesnar all those times, but now having Paul by his side and, you know, kind of being kind of having him be able to pick his brain more. I feel like that's definitely a huge asset for him in his career moving forward. And I think that's something that he should definitely should be doing. Ask as many questions as you can from a guy like Paul Heyman, because he has a really smart mind for the business and he's just someone that, I feel like any wrestler would be really fortunate to kind of have by their side and be able to work with because he's really, you know, someone that you can look up to and someone you can ask a lot of questions to. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think hopefully they are talking a lot backstage and like off camera and everything like that because Heyman's always been like such a great wrestling mind to learn from and knows a lot about the business and what works with the business. So I hope Roman's taking advantage of that. Last thing I want to add before we finally end the show, right? Because we are getting to that point. I know if this goes over an hour, the editor is going to give me a call. 
yep. and he's gonna ask me for a favor that mm-hmm. I can I have to refuse because we cannot edit out all this because this is good content. Since we have John Cena Senior joining us next week, I know we won't really have a Royal Rumble prediction show per se, but the one thing I want to add is men's and women's guys, your thoughts on who's taking it. I think with my prediction right now, I feel like the women's one, I would, I think I'm going to hop on the Dylan bandwagon here and I would love to see Alexa Bliss win the Royal Rumble. I think, you know, the way that they've been building her up, I feel like she'd be really good. uh, A really good pick for them to, you know, have a match at WrestleMania versus Oscar. I think that would be something that they can definitely do. I think she'd be a great pick in terms of the men's, I mean, kind of back and forth, but I've honestly been thinking Seth Rollins, if he comes back, wouldn't be a bad choice for him to kind of like turn face and kind of have a feud with Roman Reigns headed into WrestleMania. I feel like that would be a solid pick too. Uh, Yeah, I'm still sticking with my double fiend pick. Um, Obviously, I think Alexa, the way it's trending right now, is a really good shot to win the women's. And then I just, I don't know, I feel like if they're going to push Alexa that hard, they're probably going to push Bray just as much. I just, I really like that Fiend character and it's so well-rounded and well-developed and there's so many layers to it. I, I'd hope they use a Royal Rumble win on him. Like I brought up at the beginning of this show, when we first started, I'm telling you right now, if they do not do this, John Morrison is winning the Rumble. That is my I, full-on yeah. prediction. That is a long shot. And I will definitely be talking about that on Pombo and Peter's picks next week Ooh, okay. <laughs> about, about my betting odds. I, like I feel like it's going to be high, <laughs> but I'll put yeah. some money on it. But guys, let's wrap it up here. Cause like I said, the editor is going to get really pissed off with me about yeah, this. Like, I, actually, back. I didn't even, I didn't even tell you guys this after last week, you know, what he, happened? he, uh, he added, like, I mean, you guys heard the new music that he added, right? Yep. That right? was good. Good music. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. I had to add that. I told, I sent him that. Right. So he comes up to me. He wanted to add some, like, I don't know, some type of soft, like soft music to the beginning. He's like, you gotta be like other podcasts. You have to have that opener or that music. Uh And I'm like, no, I mean, we're cheap talk. We keep it 100% cheap as much as possible. So I said, you know what? You want to add music here? This is the one that I think as a group that we would, I think go with, I, yeah, I apologize. I should have messaged you guys about the music, but he was gonna throw that in at the last minute. I I did the buzzer beater. Yep. I said I'm adding it in. I'm I'm putting in my uh, my uh, creative control card, as a lot of people want to do in wrestling. Yeah, brother, brother. But guys, <laughs> it's been great talking with you. That has been Dylan Sariva. That has been Brendan Carr. I have been the cheapest man in the building and in wrestling, TJ Albing. Thank you for listening to Cheap Talk Wrestling. Next week, we will have John Cena Sr. on. You do not want to miss it. We're going to have a great conversation with him. Until next time, keep it cheap.